morning, church. We're so glad you've joined us this morning for worship and God's word. Uh, just before we get going, I invite you to take out your phone this morning and point it right at the screen at that QR code, and it'll take you to our online connection card. We'd love for you to share with us a prayer request or update any information to our church leaders. We really appreciate you doing that this morning. Uh, as a church, we also want to remind you that we care about your physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. And we do have biblical soul care counseling appointments available to you right now. If you'd like to meet with one of our pastors in person, you can go online and fill out a form for that. You can also connect with us through our COVID aid form if you have a need that the church can meet in this season. So please know that we love you and we care for you and we're eager to draw alongside you in this season. I also want to highlight our recovery ministry this morning. This ministry is for those who are struggling with addiction or walking alongside somebody who is. Thankfully, God's word offers hope and a path away from addiction. The recovery group meets Monday night, and for more information, you can email Charles Bell. And lastly, I'm going to invite Pastor Brett in to join me as we talk through some of our plans for restarting live services. Uh, we're really eager to get together, and uh, there's a few things that we want you to be aware of, though. So, Brett, maybe you can talk us through some of the changes that we're making in the auditorium. Sure, yeah, we've been making a lot of changes in our worship center that we're really excited about. Our production team um, has been working really hard on this. And so we've been moving screens around, getting new locations. Uh, we've been changing some of the seating, getting new camera angles to make the flow better, but also to allow for more seats and more people while still accommodating social distancing. So we're really excited about this. You're gonna see a lot of changes when you come back. We're excited and we wanna give a big shout out and thanks to our production team, Martin and Chris especially, who've been working really hard on this. Yeah, that's really amazing. We really want as many people as possible to give them the opportunity to worship with us live and hear the good news about Jesus. Um, what else is new? Well, actually we are completely changing the flow of the building in many ways. Um, we are excited about uh, the possibility of reopening Harvest Kids, so we're changing some of the direction of flows, but our washrooms are going to be changed as well. And so we are going to have on the main floor a women's and children's washroom. And guys, we're gonna be bringing in a washroom trailer that will be outside for you. And so we appreciate ahead of time your willingness to sacrifice for our women and kids so that we can have kids reopening. Um, and that's gonna be a big change, but that's an exciting one so that we'll be able to do these things. Yeah, that is the plan, it's very exciting. So beginning with our nursery and toddler classes, we're gonna be gradually opening up all of our Harvest Kids classrooms in the coming months. Um, there's much work to be done uh, to set up the kids' ministry space, so we appreciate your patience in that. And um, we're also actively recruiting new volunteers to serve in Harvest Kids, as well as calling back all of you faithful volunteers who have served in kids in the past. So things are gonna look a little bit different, but uh, we're really excited about the opportunity to point kids to Christ again and to do live ministry. So I think that's it. Thanks, Brett. Thanks hey, for joining thanks. us. And we just pray that you will join us in prayer for God's wisdom and leading and guidance as we make plans to worship together in person soon. Good morning, Harvest. So glad that you've tuned in with us this morning, praying that the Lord would reveal himself to each and every one of us, and it would just cause us to worship him. I want to invite you guys to open up your heart and, and worship with us. 
This is where worship starts Here in the temple of my heart Remembering who you are And all you've done This is your majesty All I have tasted and have seen Remembering who you are And once again I see the Lord Forever glorified Exalted and lifted high And all of your kingdom make Christ you are You are the This is eternity, let's sing this out. This is eternity, deep calling deep inside of me. I'm right where I'm meant to be, here with you. This is your family, stretching as far as I can see. I'm right where I'm meant to be.
Let us become 
God is so good. Let's worship Him today. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You are hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Sing this out. Great are you, Lord, and it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you So we pour out our praise to you all. 
Good morning, and I'd like to invite you to uh, take your Bibles and stand as we uh, read God's Word. Uh, we are going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him on his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, God, we thank you for the, uh, the words of scripture that we have just read, the words of the songs that we have just sung. And God, our whole intent here this morning is to come and bring you praise and glory and honor. And God, uh, just to, to hear and to read uh, what we have heard this morning, that you are above all, that there is no power greater than you, there is no dominion higher than you, that you are all-powerful. And God, we thank you in your love that you have called us to yourself, that you have given us a way uh, to that inheritance that we just read about. God, we thank you for the power, the moving of your spirit. God, we thank you above all for the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. God, we thank you this morning that his name is high above all in this age and the age to come. And God, we pray this morning as we've already read that, that we might have the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that you would uh, enrich us, Lord, with uh, your knowledge this morning that as we sit and listen under the, the preaching uh, this morning from Pastor Brett, God, that you would open our hearts wherever we are. And God, we think of those uh, that, we, that we are missing, those that we have not been in contact with for a while. And we look forward to next week when we can come together again. But in the meantime, Lord, I would pray that you would meet us where we are this morning. Uh, whether we're coming needy, whether we're coming satisfied, whether we're coming longing, whether we're coming wanting, wherever we are this morning, God, just Open our hearts. Let the Spirit pour out into us this morning as we have just sung. Let your presence be uh, available to each one of us where we are in our homes, listening online. And God, I pray this morning especially for anyone that doesn't know what this is all about. I pray this morning, God, that you indeed would crack open people's hearts this morning to hear you and to see you. And God, I pray from that that they may come to know you today. God, thank you for the power of your word. Uh, it, it is what gives us salvation, Lord. We just thank you for that. And, and God, we know that faith cometh by hearing. And God, we just pray this morning that we would listen intently, that we would listen expectantly, that we would listen looking for you this morning. And God, we just commit ourselves to you now as, as we uh, go into the preaching of the word. And God, we pray that you would lead us and uh, be with Pastor Brett as he preaches and bring back to remembrance all of those things that you've shown him this week that we need to hear. So God, we thank you, we praise you, and we commit the morning to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. 
So good to be able to, uh, to be here today and just to be able to open God's Word with you. And uh, so glad that you're tuned in this morning, just in your, in your living rooms, wherever you are. I'm really looking forward to that day when we are back, gathered together here in person, and we can, we can hear those amens as, as we worship and as we look to the Lord together. So I hope you still have your Bibles open to the book of Ephesians. Uh, today we're going to be at the end of chapter 1, the, the part of Scripture that, that uh, Charles just read to us. And if you've been following along in our series so far, then I know I've been encouraged and I know that you have as well. Um, and so far, we have, we've seen a lot. There's, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul has covered a lot of ground so far. And up till this point, we've heard about the immense spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, we have heard about the fact that we are chosen in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. We've heard about our adoption into God's family as His children, and we've heard about the redemption of Jesus Christ, the the fact that Christ has redeemed us and forgiven our sins, and that we have obtained an inheritance, and then we've heard also about the fact that we have been given the Holy Spirit as our guarantee of our salvation, as the deposit of our salvation. And today we find ourselves just at the end of that section where the Apostle Paul has just gone through all of these incredible truths that are about the Lord and about the gospel and about our lives in Christ. And then he comes to this point in verse 15. And he says, hold up, hold up, hold up, based on all of this, Ephesian believers. I want to stop. And I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you specifically right now, right here at this moment in this place. And I think that's so fitting, isn't it? Isn't that so fitting that when we hear of the greatness of God at work, when we hear of all that Christ has done, we should want to stop and pray and pray for that reality in the lives of others. And that's exactly what Paul does right here. He he doesn't move on to the next theological truth. He stops and he prays for these Ephesian believers. And today we're just going to walk through this passage. There's about five things that I want to draw out for us to see. Honestly, there could be 25 things. It's just loaded with the glory of who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. But today I want to draw out five things for us to really think about. Uh, Five things that we could really be praying into the lives of those that maybe are in our family, in our small group, in our community, in our church. You ever have someone on your heart that you want to pray for, but you're not exactly sure what to pray or how to pray? And, you know, I pray for this person. You know, so often we kind of fall into the cliches. Lord, you know, be with this person, right? Or, Lord, help this person. Well, today, the things that we're going to see right here, these are awesome, awesome things to pray for someone. In fact, as I was uh, getting ready for this message. I thought back a couple years ago and flipped back into one of my journals. I'm not a big journaler, but every once in a while I'll write things down. And this passage was the passage of Scripture that I was praying for our small group leaders, praying for them at least three times a week on this passage, just praying, God, would you do these things in their life? And I was honestly actually just convicted by seeing that, thinking, man, I've got to get back to praying these things. I've been, you know, praying other things, good things, but I've got to get back to these things, truths from God's Word. And so if you're ever in a place where you're wondering, you know, I want to pray for this person, but I don't know what exactly to pray. 
Let me just recommend this as a good text to go to. Um, So if you take nothing else away from this message, maybe take that, but hopefully you will take more as well. And so here we are, Ephesians chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, and the Apostle Paul begins to pray for these Ephesian believers. Now here's the first thing that I want us to see from Paul's prayer. Notice this, just look down with me. If you've got your Bible open still, that's, that's great. Take a look down. Verse 15, for this reason, Paul says, for this reason, well, we should ask the question, what reason? What reason, Paul? And really, it's based off of everything that has come before this, all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, all of the work that Christ has done, but then filtering down in particular the primary reason at the end of this that Paul is praying is right here. In verse 13, take a look back at verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, because you have believed in Christ. Did you catch that? The moment that these Ephesian believers believed in Christ, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The moment they believed in Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. That's an incredible truth for us this morning. And Paul says, now for this reason, for this reason, because you have the Holy Spirit, I don't stop praying. No, I start praying. I ramp up my prayer game. So often we can probably even find ourselves praying maybe less for those that we believe to be more mature in Christ, can't we? I know I've been guilty of that, thinking that they maybe don't need as much prayer as someone else. How foolish is that, isn't it? You know, Paul says right here, no, they've received the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray all the more. And he says, now for this reason, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and your love towards all the saints. Just catch that. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all of the saints. Now, maybe if you're thinking back right now and you're thinking, you know, back to the book of Acts, you're thinking, well, you know, didn't Paul go to Ephesus and preach the gospel? And didn't a bunch of people believe? Like, wasn't he right there when they gave their lives to Christ? Yes, absolutely. But since then, since that time, the gospel had spread through Ephesus and the surrounding areas. And now at this point, there is a church in Ephesus, maybe not just one church, but maybe multiple churches meeting in different places, the gospel just spreading like wildfire. And Paul says, since I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, since I've heard about how the gospel is at work, and there's now many believers that I've never even met before. In Ephesus, when I heard of that, I started to pray. But notice, he didn't just hear about their faith in the Lord Jesus. There's two things here. He heard about their faith. He heard that they had trusted Christ as Savior. But then notice, he had also heard about their love for the saints. Listen, church, here's the first thing that we need to see this morning from this text. The first thing that we need to see is that saving faith always manifests itself in genuine love for God's people. Saving faith will manifest itself in a genuine love for God's people. This is always true. This is always going to be the case. 
And so we should kind of pull back here a little bit and we should think about this for a moment. Is it possible to be saved in Jesus Christ yet to have no desire or no love for other believers? I don't believe that's possible. I don't believe that that can happen. Sometimes it takes time to grow into that, yes, okay, but that will happen. This is a, a supernatural connection here. Just like a natural connection, a natural reaction. If you take water and you take oil and you try to mix water and oil together, they repel each other. They go the opposite way. Well, just the opposite to that, in Christ, believers, when we come to faith in Christ, we are then drawn, we're drawn together in love towards other believers. And so Paul says to these Ephesian believers, when I've heard of your faith and your love towards all of the saints. Now, it's one thing to have faith. It's one thing to believe. It's one thing to give even just creedal assent to a, a series of doctrines or truths. But it's another thing to have your heart totally renovated and changed by the love of Jesus Christ for another brother or another sister or for the church at large. And Paul says, when I heard of your love for the saints... When I heard that you loved the other brothers and sisters in Christ the way that Christ has called you to, he said, from that moment, from that moment, I began to pray. I began to pray for you. Now, we, we know that, that love is an essential fruit of genuine faith, don't we? But it's good to be reminded of this uh, often because I know in my life, um, you can sometimes get so busy, sometimes you can get so even self-focused, you can get so that, that you forget to ask the question, hey, am I really, really showing love to my brothers and sisters right now? Like, how am I doing in that area? Am I actually really loving the way that Christ has called me to love? And so this is a really good opportunity for a little heart check right now and maybe even to think back um, over the past you know, two months, three months. How are you doing in the area of love? I was checking my heart on this and realized, hey, listen, there's some stuff that's got to have a pretty big tweak in my heart on this because maybe I'm not displaying love the way that I should be. Actually, take away the maybe. No, I haven't been, in some cases, displaying love the way that Christ calls me to, and I need to repent of that. I need to turn from that, and I need to allow the Lord to work in my heart in this area. But just remember, remember what Jesus said. This is so important in our Christian life. You know, love is not just like a little add-on that maybe you get it, maybe you don't. It's not a big deal if you don't. It's so central, so important, so essential that Jesus Christ himself said in John 13, 35, he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By the fact that we as believers in Christ would love one another, this is the main witness to the world. This is what the world sees and says, oh my goodness, what's going on over there? What's up with those people? You know, they don't have much in common. You know, they maybe don't have, you know, the same hobbies, the same interests. They're maybe not from the same postal code. Maybe they don't even have the same skin color. Maybe they're not even from the same country, but there's something unique about them in the fact that they would all come together and care for each other in this way. This is something that, you know, really causes the world to kind of scratch their head like, what? What is this? And they should cause them then to ask the question even like, what's going on here? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. This is a supernatural cause and effect relationship. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that will cause us to begin to grow in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just reminded of what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. He says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And then he says in verse 11, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Heart check today, brothers and sisters. Heart check for you, heart check for me. How are we doing? How are we doing walking, being united in the love of Christ? Wasn't that a great message that we heard last week about just unity in the church and Christ's desire for us to be a united people? Well, add to that um, Christ's desire for us to be a united people that are filled with genuine, heartfelt love towards one another. Faith that manifests itself in love. Just, you know, think about this for a second and think, you know, over your life. And this should be convicting to us in some ways. But it should also be really encouraging that the Lord will do this. When the Lord brings faith into my life, when I come to faith in Christ, He will bring love into my life if I will simply go to Him and ask Him to do that and allow Him to do that. What an awesome truth that faith and love, faith brings about love in the Christian's life. It's a supernatural connection. And just think about this passage up till this point, and I just want you to think about the Ephesian believers for a moment. Think about the Ephesian believers. How encouraging do you think it would be for them to know that the Apostle Paul was praying for them? Many of these Ephesian believers probably had never even met Paul. Maybe they've heard the gospel through someone else that was saved under Paul's ministry. So Paul, you know, went to Ephesus on his second and third missionary journeys, and then the believers, those who trusted Christ, spread out and shared the gospel with others. And so people are getting saved, and they've heard of this guy, Paul, who came and preached, uh, but they don't know him. And then to receive this letter, hearing from the Apostle Paul saying, hey, listen, ever since that day that I first heard of you, heard of your faith and your love in Jesus Christ, I have not ceased to pray for you. How encouraging would that be? I don't know. I I think it'd be pretty encouraging um, to know that someone that I had never met before who was instrumental in my salvation through a chain of events was praying for me. I, I think that would be deeply, deeply moving. But I just think about, you know, personally, all of the notes and cards and emails um, over this past year from just people in our congregation and even people outside of our congregation that have just said, hey, praying for you, praying these specific things for you right now. And I can just honestly say that um, there's been days where it's been those notes and those encouragements in that way, praying for you has just meant so much to me personally. It's just lifted a weight off of my shoulders, just encouraged my heart in this season. And so if you've written me one of those, I wanted to say thank you for that, but also just want to encourage us that this is an amazing way to love one another. Just reach out to somebody. I'm praying for you. Hey, can I pray with you? You know, even as we regather live, maybe take those opportunities to pray with one another or give someone a note of encouragement that says, hey, I'm praying for you. I haven't ceased praying for you. 
and I'm going to keep on praying for you. But listen, I love, I love this passage because Paul doesn't just say, hey, praying for you. All right, that's good. Praying for you, right? Um, that's awesome to know. But Paul goes deep. He explains what he's praying for them. He actually digs into some really incredible meat here. This is like, this is like steak for your prayer diet right here, okay? This is, this is going to satisfy your prayer diet if you take these truths to heart. And so we take a look down, and we see down here in verse 17, Paul gets very specific about what he is praying. And I just want to say this, the, the first point was kind of just a general point about something that we see in Paul's prayer, and even as Paul starts to speak about his prayer, the last uh, the last four points of this message are going to be right straight from Paul's prayer. So you can apply these things directly to your prayer life. But take a look down at verse 17. Verse 17, Paul prays that the Lord would give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the, ar- the eyes of their heart enlightened, having the eyes of their heart opened to who Christ is. Here's the second thing that we need to see. Second thing that we need to see and we need to know is that spiritual understanding only comes from knowing God. Spiritual understanding only comes from knowing God. Spiritual understanding, listen, brothers and sisters, it doesn't come from just reading theological books. It doesn't come from maybe even just attending a doctrine study. Those are great things to do, fantastic things to do. We should engage in that. Scripture commends us elsewhere to study to show ourselves approved, to study to know the Word of God. And if we don't know the Word of God, then, you know, what is the Holy Spirit really going to draw off of in our lives? But listen, spiritual understanding doesn't simply come through theological study. There's more to it than that. Spiritual understanding comes from knowing God. And Paul gets this. And so Paul prays, hey, I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit would be at work in you to give you a heart of wisdom, of revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of God that you would know him more and more and more every single day, that you would grow in your knowledge of who God is. Listen. The central object of the Christian life is to know God, isn't it? To know God, to to know God in all of his fullness, to to know God and, and to know what he calls us to, to submit to him, to know the work of Jesus Christ that he has accomplished for us and to submit to that work and to submit to him and worship him for all of eternity. It's to know God. And so Paul prays that they would grow in their knowledge of who God is. That, that they would come to know his fullness. And he prays very specifically here. He prays that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, some have said uh, that here Paul prays that the Ephesian believers would receive the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's correct. I, th- I think if we just look back a couple of verses um, to verse 13, for example, we see that's already happened. They've already received the Holy Spirit. The moment they believed, they received the Holy Spirit. And so is Paul then praying for a second receiving of the Holy Spirit? No. Paul is praying for the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Listen, this is something that we've got to get about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The Holy Spirit indwells us at the moment of salvation. He comes to live inside of us. 
And we get all of the Holy Spirit the moment that we're saved. You know, God doesn't dole out the Holy Spirit in little doses, a little bit here and a little bit there and maybe a little bit more. We get all of the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence. But here's the ultimate question. How much of you does the Holy Spirit get at salvation? How surrendered are you to him? How open to his working? How open to to allow him to do what he would want to do? And Paul realizes here the reality of our indwelling sin. He realizes the reality of our flesh and the corruption of our sinful nature, which is not taken away the moment we come to Christ, but we're given a, a new nature. And Paul realizes right here that, that, listen, we've got to pray. We've got to pray that that the Holy Spirit would be unleashed in these believers' lives, that they would be surrendered to him, that they would be submitting and yielding to his work in their life. And he prays, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that he would open the eyes of your heart having the eyes of your heart enlightened. I love these words that he uses right here. He prays for wisdom. We remember, if we go back to the Old Testament, we'll remember that that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, verse 7 tells us that. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. He uses the word revelation, which is really a word that that speaks of, of of spiritual understanding. It's a word that speaks of spiritual perception. It it goes beyond the physical. It goes beyond anything that the human eyes can see. It can only be seen through the eyes of the heart that are enlightened and opened by the Lord. So he prays for wisdom. He prays for revelation. And when you take these two things, spiritual wisdom, true wisdom, the proper and right fear of the Lord, and you couple that with God's revelation and the opening of the eyes of your heart, what do you get? I believe you get perspective. I believe that you get complete, complete perspective change, a complete shift in the way that you think, a complete shift in the way that you see things. All of the sudden, God's perspective becomes your perspective in a way. Just think about that for a moment. Wouldn't it be amazing right now at at this stage and this time to see with God's perspective, to be able to see with his eyes, even, you know, what's happening right now. We're not talking maybe future events. We're maybe not talking, you know, way down the road, but even today, just to understand with with God's understanding or even a piece of God's understanding, a piece of his perspective. Listen, that's that's what Paul is praying for right here, is that they would have God's perspective on their lives, on the trials that they walk through, on the situations that they find themselves in, even over their own lives, as they look at the sin that still dwells within them and rears its head and comes to the surface, as they look at their own struggles, that they would have God's perspective, that they would be ruled by the fear of the Lord which is the beginning of wisdom, that they would understand and have spiritual perception into matters that would be way far beyond them, humanly speaking. Listen, just think about this for a moment. Think about these elements that are here. These two elements, when you combine them, I believe that they lead to a transforming perspective. When we see God for who he is, when we See God as holy 
loving, merciful, just, sufficient to fulfill my every need. Then we begin to see the world as it is, empty, broken by sin, without hope apart from Jesus Christ. And then we begin to see ourselves as we are, needing God's grace every single moment, completely relying and dependent on Him for everything. Listen, when we start to look from that vantage point, that's a massive perspective shift, isn't it? And that's what Paul is praying right here. He's praying that the Lord would open the eyes of their heart, that they would have a massive perspective change in their lives, that they would begin to see as God sees in these ways. Remember, Jesus, you know, really prayed this um, in, in the same way in his great high priestly prayer. He prayed along these lines in John chapter 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Listen, Christ prays that, that every believer in him would come to know the Father, that they would come to know the Father, that they would come to know Jesus. That's the goal. That is the central hub right there, and, and this is what Paul is praying. He's praying that they would come to know the Lord. Lord, would you grow them? Would you grow them in their knowledge of you? And this is not just a theoretical knowledge, but an intimacy, their closeness with you, their communion with you, their relationship with you. Lord, would you grow them in this? Would you open the eyes of their heart, God? so that they can see with your perspective, Lord, would you give them wisdom and understanding to know what you would want from them, how you would want them to walk in this world? Would you help them to see this world, Lord, as you see it? Would you help them to see themselves as you see them? It's a massive shift in perspective. You know, as we physically grow older, our eyes grow dimmer and dimmer, and uh, I didn't really need glasses till about seven or eight years ago, somewhere around there, maybe nine now. I didn't need glasses. You know, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, hey, maybe I should think about glasses, and I got my first pair, and it was, you know, just kind of, I, I barely needed them. I didn't wear them most of the time, and I turned 40 this year, and I really need my glasses quite a bit now. Like, I, I can still, like, get by without them, but even right now as I look back, you guys are just, like, foggy and blurry without them, and I put them on, and it's like, oh, okay, they are real people, not just cutouts, um, a couple of them anyway. And so we need glasses. As we grow older, our eyes become, our physical eyes become more and more dim. That's just something that happens naturally with age. But listen, that should not be the case spiritually speaking. As we grow older in Jesus Christ, the eyes of our heart should become more and more bright every day as we look to Jesus Christ, as we see him for who he is, as our perspective changes. And so every time that you go to the doctor, the eye doctor, and you get a new prescription and you're like, oh man, come on, like, you know, by the time I'm 50, they're going to be like out to here, like what, Right? Let that remind you, but praise God, because every day, the eyes of my heart, by his grace and mercy, are growing brighter and brighter. I'm seeing more of Jesus Christ. My perspective is being shifted. My perspective is being changed. And if that's not happening in your life, just pray. Just pray to that end, because that happens through prayer. God does that 
through prayer in our lives. Well, here's, that's the second thing that we need to see in Paul's prayer. But here's the third thing about knowing God uh, from Paul's prayer. Right here, we see it in verse 18, right in the middle section of verse 18. Let me just read that part. So he prays that their eye, the eyes of their heart would be opened. And then he prays that they would be opened so that they may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the hope to which he has called you? The third thing that we need to see right here is that knowing God leads to life-giving hope. Knowing God leads to life-giving hope. Listen, brothers and sisters, I just want to ask you a really simple question. Today, do you understand, do you know the hope of your calling in Christ? Is that something that you think about often? You know, honestly, in some ways, this is something that we can kind of put on the back burner, isn't it? You know, something that we can be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I have a great hope in my calling in Jesus Christ. I've been called to something that's pretty awesome, and I need to think about that. And we can kind of just, you know, stuff it in the closet, forget about it, not really think about it, not dwell on it. That's not helpful. That's not helpful. The hope of our calling that we see right here is something that Paul wants these believers, the Ephesian believers, and us to remember constantly. What is the hope of our calling? Now, the hope that Paul is talking about here is, is not the hope that the world offers. That's for sure. Uh, the hope that the world offers is it's fickle, it's shallow, it's trendy, it's fading, it's weak. It's kind of like the flowers of the field. It's here one minute, and then it's gone the next. Now, the hope that the world offers is kind of like this vague, like, I just hope something will happen. Like, I hope my sports team makes it to the finals this year. Um, I hope that sports actually continue to happen this year and they all don't get shut down because of COVID or something like that. Like, that kind of hope is really like, it's, it's kind of like a wish. Like, th this is my desire. That's not the hope that we're talking about when we talk about the hope of our calling in Christ. The hope of our calling in Christ is not wishy-washy like that. The hope of our calling in Christ is rock solid. It's immovable. It's unshakable. The hope of our calling on Christ is not uh, built on the transient things of this world. It's built on the immovable hope of God the Father and His Son, the complete work of Jesus Christ. And so just want you to ask, ask you this question right now. If you were to think of your heart, okay, kind of like the, the gauges on your car, all right, just, you know, those, those gauges on your car that tell you how everything's going, you, the speed limit one, okay, that can, that can be bad at times, right? Uh, but the fuel and the heat and all those things, okay, just think about that, but think about your heart like that and, and think about, you know, right now, where is your hopeometer at, okay? What's your hopeometer at in this season right now? You know, walking through lockdowns, and that can be exhausting, and, and, and everything else that's going on in the world around us circumstantially, but where is your hopeometer at in Jesus Christ right now in this moment? To be honest, um, can often run pretty low, can't it? I know. I was checking my hopeometer this week and was like, ugh barely reading anything right now. Like, I, I need to get this thing filled up. I need to get something going on. Listen, a great thing for us to do is really to consider deeply the incredible hope of our calling in Jesus Christ. Just to take time to, to think about the, how awesome the hope of our calling in Christ is. And I just kind of want to lead you through a few things right here, right now, in this moment. 
these things, you know, you just think about them as I say them and, you know, maybe write a couple of them down, the ones that stand out to you and, and just consider them and go back and chew on them even over the coming week. Think about how awesome the hope of our calling is in Jesus Christ. And so here's a few reasons for our hope. Reasons that our hope is not just fickle, it's not wishy-washy, it's not, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, that it's rock solid and immovable. And I'm just going to run through these fairly quickly, but, but just think about the reasons for your hope. First of all, the reason that we have hope as believers in Jesus Christ is because our sins are forgiven. Because our sins are forgiven. They're buried in the deepest ocean, Psalm 103 says. How awesome is that? You know, we were watching Planet Earth a while ago, and Planet Earth always cracks us up, but, uh, but, but it's great in some ways. And we were watching it, and we were watching one on oceans, and apparently there's places of the ocean that they don't even know how deep they are yet. Like, I thought that we'd kind of hit this point where we'd figured out, like, almost everything that we could figure out and explored everything that can be explored in this world. But no, apparently not. There's places in the ocean they don't even know how deep it is. Yet God says that he has buried our sins in the depths of the ocean. Can't even be calculated. How awesome is that? Your sins are forgiven. That's an incredible reason for hope. You have been given in Jesus Christ grace upon grace. I've been given grace upon grace. We have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth, who is our comforter and our guide through this life. He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. We've been given a new identity in Jesus Christ as a beloved child of the living God. We are a new creation. We have been set free from the law of sin and death, and we are co-heirs with Christ. We have an imperishable inheritance reserved for each of us in heaven. Listen, those are some great reasons for hope, aren't they? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that encouraging to you? But listen, there's so much more. I just want you to think about this. I want you to think about, you know, a lot of those things have to do with the future, but I want you to think even about the here and now. What hope is there for me in Christ right now in this moment? Well, right now in this moment, you have a great high priest in heaven who can sympathize with your weakness and who was tempted in every way as you are tempted, yet without sin. That is awesome. That's incredible. Right now, in this moment, you, even when you don't see it, are being molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ more and more, day by day, to the praise of his glory. Right now, in this moment, you have complete and full access to the throne of grace. You can just run to the Lord with everything right now, full access. You're never going to get an access denied notice. It's full access to the throne of grace. Right now, in this moment, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Right now, in this moment, you and I have been given every single spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Right now, in this moment, we have been given everything that we need for life and godliness. Right now, in this moment, we have been given the church, brothers and sisters, to come around us, to encourage us. Right now, in this moment, we've been given the word of God that is true in every season, that is faithful and reliable. And right now, in this moment, we have God's presence with us that will never depart from us. Listen, that's a lot of reasons for hope. Just consider those things. Think, think about how blessed you and I are in Jesus Christ right now. Like, I know hashtags aren't cool anymore. I know that was like, 
I don't know, like 2015 or whatever, but like hashtag blessed, like honestly, all these things, like wow, okay, this is incredible, like just think about it, man. And everything that I listed right there is just a drop in the bucket of what scripture says about the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. I didn't cover the full list. So you go back this week, you take some time this week, you go back and you dig up your own little gems, okay? You dig up your own um, little pieces that are encouraging to you. And listen, the more that we grow in our relationship with the Lord, the more these truths impact our perception and give us hope day by day. Listen, the Lord wants us to be a people of hope. The Lord wants us to be people that, are, that have our hearts anchored in him that are filled with the joy of Jesus Christ and the hope of Jesus Christ. That's the third thing. But here's the fourth thing. At the end of verse 18, at the end of verse 18, Paul prays that that they would know what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Here's the fourth thing right here. Knowing God involves believing that we belong to him. So knowing God brings us great hope, but then even more than that, knowing God involves believing that we belong to him, believing that we as believers in Jesus Christ are his inheritance. Now quite often we think about our inheritance, don't we? We love to think about the things that we will get, don't we? Um, But how often do we think about the fact that we, the church, believers are God's inheritance, Christ's inheritance? Now, I I don't believe that Paul here is speaking of the inheritance that we will have in heaven one day. There's some debate among commentators on this of whether he's talking about our inheritance or God's inheritance in us. Um, I land on God's inheritance in us because, well, that's what it says, right? That, that, That we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Also, I land there just just simply because I don't think Paul's being redundant. I don't think he's praying exactly what he prayed earlier, in the earlier part of the verse. I think he's adding a new level of depth to this. Hey, that you would understand the hope of your calling, which includes your incredible inheritance in Christ, and also the fact that you belong to him. You are his inheritance. This is powerful. Listen, it's powerful to think about the hope that we have in Christ because of everything that he has done for us. It's powerful to think about all that God has done on our behalf, but it's motivating, it's joy-giving, it's conviction-bringing in a good way that motivates us to be different, to remember that we belong to God, that we are His possessions, that we are His people. That is an awesome thing for us to remember. That is a, honestly, a life-changing thing for us to remember. That is, you know, something that I, as I came back to this, I thought, oh man, This is convicting in a really good way. I belong to the Lord. It means that everything in my life needs to be pointed towards Him, aimed at Him for His praise, for His glory. Kind of hit me with one of those moments of like, Lord, I can't do that. I just can't do that in myself. And, you know, that was God's reminder in that moment of, Brett, my grace is sufficient for you. Just call out to me. I'll help you. I'll walk with you in this. This is a great reminder for us that we belong to the Lord, that we are His inheritance. Uh, the Apostle Paul over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, speaking to the church at Corinth, 
about sexual immorality. He, he writes these words, and this is in that context, but it applies to all situations. And he says, or do you not know, chapter 6, verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Mark that. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I believe that Paul here in Ephesians is reminding these believers of this truth, that they don't belong to themselves anymore, that they have been bought with the precious blood of Christ, that they belong to God now. And I think he's reminding them of that individually, but also collectively as a church. And just think about how often we hear this in Scripture, this, this collective terminology about us belonging to Christ. And just think about the universal church. Everybody of all time who has believed in Jesus Christ, think about how Scripture speaks of the church. Remember, we are the bride of Christ. Well, that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, but we are the body. Uh, we are being built up into a spiritual building, First Peter tells us. We are a people for his own possession. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We belong to the Lord collectively, but also individually. We belong to the Lord. And when we lay hold of this, when we understand this, it should give us a great sense of freedom, of joy, of motivation towards the gospel of, Lord, I just, I want to submit to you. I want to yield to you. I want to, I want to follow you. I want you, Jesus, to be Lord over everything in my life. I believe that's what Paul is praying here, that the Ephesian believers, that we would come to know the dominion of Christ over all things in our lives, that we would be willing to submit to him and yield to him in everything, because the more that we yield to Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit, the more glory there is for God and the more joy there is for us. That's the fourth thing. But here's the fifth thing that I really don't want us to miss at all. The fifth thing. The fifth thing comes out of verse 19 right through to the end of the chapter all the way down to verse 23. But let me just read verse 19 again to you right now. Paul prays um, that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. He prays that they would know the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us who believe. And so the fifth thing here is knowing God leads to life-transforming power. Knowing God leads to life-transforming power. Listen, knowing God leads to adequate power to conquer any struggle, to conquer any sin, to conquer any fear. There's no power shortage on God's part. If that's true, if, if God is not short on power, then how much is his power moving in our lives? Listen, there's no power shortage on God's part. We need to understand this. We need to understand that, that trusting Christ, knowing God, leaning into the Lord leads to life-transforming power. It's a life-changing power. This is what Paul wants them to know, and I love how he just kind of lays this down in such an awesome way for us and explains this through the words that follow. Let's keep reading. Let's start at verse 19. He prays, he prays that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power, but then he, but then he prays this, verse 20, 
um, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I just want you to get this picture of the power that Paul is talking about here. So often in our Christian lives, we can feel powerless, can't we? We can feel tired. We can feel drained. Yeah, I've been there, okay? We can feel weak. In one sense, we are weak. We're weak in our flesh, but God's power available to us is unlimited. God's power in us through the Holy Spirit, unlimited. That's Paul's point right here. I just want you to think about this. You know, notice his words here. He says it's immeasurable. It's the immeasurable power that is available to us who believe. Did you know that that scientists have measured the power of the sun. Now, there's a little bit of discrepancy on how much power comes from the sun, and there's apparently some fluctuation within it, but, they, but they've measured the amount of power that the sun gives off, and I, I won't even fully try to say the number. Um, I believe it's 8.46 septillion, whatever a septillion is. It sounds like a type of reptile to me, but I think it's a number, okay? Um, so 8.46 or something like that, septillion watts coming from the sun. That's a lot of power, isn't it? You know, seeing that a standard light bulb in our house takes, what, like 30, 40 watts, and and that gives off enough light for a room. Think about the power of the sun. But the fact is, the power of the sun is measurable. It's, It's fairly easily measurable if we as humans can measure it. But the power of God through Christ in us is immeasurable absolutely immeasurable. Now, we need to wrap our heads around this, but more than that, we need to press our hearts into this. This is what the Word says right here. It says that, that God, in Christ, in us, that we would come to know the immeasurable power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now think about this for a second. Jesus Christ lay dead in the grave three days. He was dead in the grave three days. After his crucifixion, after the cross, where he laid his life down willingly on the cross to suffer for your sins, to suffer for my sins. He was literally buried in a tomb for three days, dead. And what happened on the third day? Well, Jesus wasn't just sleeping in the tomb, as some skeptics would say. Okay, that's obvious from all that he suffered. He was dead in the tomb. But on the third day, something incredible happened. He didn't wake up, but he was rose from the grave. He was brought back to life. And and here Paul says that, that we as believers have the same power dwelling in us. God's same power is available to us as that power on that day when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. I don't know about you, but I don't walk around most days thinking like that. 
I need to more often. I need to pray in this direction more often. God, would you help me to realize the immense power, not of me, it's not of me. Get that, it's not you. You are not the power source. It's Christ in you through the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Spirit in your life that is the power source. This same power available to us in this Christian life, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, but not only raised him from the dead, seated him in heaven, in the heavenly places, placed all rule and authority and power, dominion, everything under his feet, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And then he goes on to say, and he fills everything, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Listen, do you think about God's power in your life in that way? Probably not. I know I don't. I know a lot of the time I'm willing to give in to my feelings, and honestly, I listen to my feelings more than faith a lot of the time. That's convicting to me. I should trust what the Lord says rather than what, the way that I feel in that moment. But listen, if you're experiencing a lack of power today in your life, I want to ask you why. Why? Why is there a lack of power? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, why is there a lack of power? I think there's several reasons for why there could be a lack of power. But I think one of the most obvious ones that is there for us is, is just a general blah. The eyes of my heart have grown dim to the glory of Jesus Christ. My, the eyes of my heart have just grown dim to the hope of the gospel. The eyes of my heart have just kind of forgotten about the immeasurable riches that Christ has in store for me. The eyes of my heart have just forgotten that I'm part of his inheritance, that I don't belong to myself anymore, but I belong to him. The eyes of my heart have just grown dull to the fact that all of his power is available to me. I think that's a major reason for us. I know that can be a major reason in my life. Honestly, at that point, I just need spiritual glasses again to be put on my heart to look with fresh eyes at the glory of God in Christ. But I think there's another reason. And I think this reason can really be a pretty big one in our lives right now, and it's the reality of indwelling sin. It's the reality of I'm yielding, instead of yielding to Christ and to the work of the Spirit in my life, I'm yielding to sin. I'm allowing sin to run my life. You know, I've become a child of Jesus Christ. I've become his child, yet I'm over here trying to serve sin. That'll suck the life right out of you. That'll rob the resurrection power of Jesus Christ from your life. What you need to do if you find yourself there right now is say, no, no, I serve a new master now. I serve Christ. I belong to him. I've been bought with his precious blood. I've been redeemed by him. I have hope. I'm on my way to glory with him, and he's got work for me to do here in this life right now, and I'm, I'm done. I'm done serving sin. I'm going to serve Christ, and just humble yourself in repentance in that way, and turn to the Lord, and ask him to do that in your life. I think that's a huge reason, indwelling sin, general blah, but maybe, maybe this reason, maybe just a general lack of love for other brothers and sisters, a general self-focus in your life rather than an other's focus is robbing you from the power and the joy of the Christian life. 
Maybe it's that. Or maybe it's just a general lack of hope, just an unwillingness to believe what Christ says about what he has done for you, the hope that you have in him, and even how he's at work at your life right now. But listen, if you're not experiencing this this power of the resurrected Christ in you, if you're not experiencing that right now, I want to encourage you with one thing more than anything else, more than anything else. Okay, if there's sin in your life, repent of it, yes, okay? If there's a general blah, turn from it, repent of it, pray on that. But the big thing that I want to encourage you with is if you're not experiencing this right now is above all, above all, get down on your knees and pray to the Lord. Get down on your knees and pray, Lord, would you fill me with the life-giving power of Jesus Christ again, even the way that I was filled, maybe when I was first saved, or maybe five years ago, or 10 years ago, when I was just, just over, just overjoyed by how awesome you were, and I was seeing your power move in my life in incredible ways. God, would you do that again in my life? You should get low before the Lord, ask him for it, plead for it, and brother, sister, don't stop pleading until he does it, because he will do it. He will do it. It is God's joy to give you his grace and his power in Jesus Christ so that you can be used for him. And if you find yourself there today, if you find yourself just in that place of no power, little hope, struggling right now, and to be honest, I've looked back at my life this week and have found myself there, so I'm preaching these things to myself first and foremost more than to you. And if you find yourself there, I just want to encourage you to, with this verse of Scripture, maybe take this verse of Scripture from Galatians 2.20 and maybe go back to it every single morning, first thing when you wake up, and just pray this verse. Pray it. Say it over your life. Say it over even, say it over your family. Your family would even know, okay, who you belong to. Galatians 2.20, this is the Apostle Paul, again, such awesome words. This should really, in so many ways, this should be, you know, something that I come to every single morning. I need to be reminded of this every day, every single day. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, if you want to flip over there, feel free. Flip over and and listen to these words. Circle it, highlight it, whatever you want. Remember it. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, brothers and sisters, every single day, take that verse, pray that verse, preach that verse to yourself. Remember that verse. Remember, remember what it says, that you have been crucified with Christ. You've died. You've died to your old self. You died to your old self the day that you came to faith in Jesus Christ. You died to your old self. You're no longer your own. You belong to Christ now. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live here in this mortal body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's life-giving. That's hope-giving. That's freeing. Because you remember in that moment, as as you take this verse as you think on it, as you pray it, as you preach it to your own heart, you remember in that moment that it's not you on the throne. It's Christ on the throne. And in that moment, that begins to change everything. It changes your perspective. It gives you hope. It gives you joy. It gives you peace. And it gives you power.
Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that is so rich and so full. And God, we thank you specifically for this prayer of the Apostle Paul written here through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for the truths that are contained in it, God. And we thank you that you are the one that opens the eyes of our hearts. Lord, we just pray for everyone who knows you, Lord, that day by day, the sleep, the spiritual sleep would be rubbed out of our eyes, that our eyes would be open more and more to the reality of who Christ is and all that he has done. Lord, would you fill us? Lord, would you fill us with your hope? Lord, would you fill us with a a massive sense of the fact that we are bought by you and owned by you and we belong to you? And Lord, would you fill us as a church with your power? Lord, we pray that you would do all of these things as we walk in faith, filled with love for one another and filled with love for Jesus Christ. Lead us in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Church, let's respond. I invite you to stand, open your heart, and and worship God. Let's worship him for the joy, the hope, the peace, and the power that we have in Christ. Hallelujah, praise. 
Praise the Lord. Hope that you are encouraged today from hearing from God's word. And if, you know, if you're struggling with anything, we would, we would love to hear from you. We would love to come alongside you in one way or another. Please feel free to even contact our church offices. You can send an email. You can give a call, leave a message. Um, we would love to hear from you. Love to be able to pray for you. Love to be able to meet with you and to be able to encourage you in Jesus Christ. But go today knowing that you are deeply, deeply loved.